Hello everyone and welcome back to Air Magique. Let's talk about the most magical place in Europe. I'm Eric and yes, today we'll be talking all about the fascinating history of Peter Pan's flight. But before we get into all that, some park news. Legends of the Force will be back in 2020 and we now know what experiences await us for the next Star Wars Season of the Force. Oh, and by the way you guys, the next season will run from January 11th until March 15th. So we'll be getting back our amazing Star Wars A Galactic Celebration Nighttime Show, which is really exciting, The Imperial and First Order March, Legends of a Galaxy Far Far Away, The Meet and Greet with Chewbacca, and what I'm most excited for is the new Star Tour scene inspired by Rise of Skywalker. I cannot wait to see the new scene. Also, can we talk about how awesome it is that they are now updating Star Tours on regular intervals as it was originally intended? Great job, Disney. You know, keep it up on that front. <laughs> it's awesome. On some more sad news, the Disneyland Paris Railroad reopening has been pushed back from December 1st until the 14th. So the attraction has now been closed for over a year now, you guys, over a year. The last time it was operating was on the 5th of November. Please Disney Paris, please bring it back <laughs> as soon as you can, please. Also, Mickey and the Magician will be ending this season's run on September 30th, but the show will be back in 2020 from February 1st until September 6th. So be sure to check it out if you can before it closes, you guys. It really is the best show in the parks. It's a must do. On September 28th, we will be getting three new stories for the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. And by the way, you guys, there have been reports that they are, don't tell anyone, already testing the new scenes right now. So if you're heading to the parks before September 28th, you may get to experience them beforehand. Ooh. So the three stories will be The Malevolent Machine featuring the little ghost girl. I'm assuming they're referring to the little ghost girl that you got a sneak peek of on that Pepper's Ghost effect scene with the long hallway, but that's just me guessing right now. Oh, and have you guys ever noticed that you can hear her voice in the boiler room? It's super creepy. She's like saying like, hello, can anybody hear me? It's, it's really weird, you guys. I love it. It's ah, goosebumps. The next one is going to be The Shaft Creatures featuring, well, scary creatures. <laughs> and the fifth dimension featuring a sinister poltergeist. Ooh, the fifth dimension. I can't wait to see what they do here. I mean, unlike the version of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror in Florida, ours does not have the forward moving fifth dimension scene. So we'll see what they do here. I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, I doubt it's going to be the forward moving scene where the elevator is basically a trackless vehicle, but I'm sure they'll come up with something pretty cool. Now, the rock and roller coaster sign has been completely removed, so it's now just a naked building. <laughs> but we also got our first look at the upcoming Iron Man coaster trains for the Avengers Campus at Walt Disney Studios Park. And we got those via Marvelous Davy on Instagram, so thank you for posting those. So, a few details the trains feature the same chases as the rock and roller coaster trains. However, the front and back shells are being completely redesigned, while the center sections are merely being repainted. Now this is not confirmed, but I also really hope that we get those new comfortable restraint systems from Space Mountain. Keeping my fingers crossed for those. <laughs> also over at Walt Disney Studios Park, the toilets at the back of the Animation Celebration building have reopened after refurbishment with a brand new sign and the walls have been moved back. So if you guys are interested, by the way, I had this really weird idea for a top 10 toilets episode at Disneyland Paris or top five, I don't know. <laughs> If you guys are interested in that, let me know. <laughs> 
Some of you may remember the Spider-Man photo location next to the Blockbuster Cafe. Unlike the rest of the building, this section is going to be completely demolished in order to create a fancy new terrace for the upcoming PIM test kitchen. It's very exciting. Yes, so Peter Pan's flight is superbly designed and absolutely delightful, combining some beloved Disney characters with incredible effects and charming music. This indoor ride starts off in the Darling family house before embarking into an adventurous trip. What's really good to note is that this is a really great ride for the little ones, so nothing here is going to jump out at you or frighten your young children, which is likely why it's become one of the most popular and iconic dark rides in many Disney parks. Like so many of the attractions in Disneyland Paris, Peter Pan's flight originated in Disneyland California, where it debuted with the opening of Disneyland in 1955, and it was, well, an instant smash. After all, who could resist flying in a pirate ship over the evening skies of London and Neverland? For millions of kids and the adults who read the bedtime stories, the dream to fly was about to become a reality. English author J.M. Barrie's novel of the boy who wouldn't grow up debuted in 1911. Ooh, it's been a while, you guys. <laughs> and readers were pretty much enthralled with Peter Pan and his many adventures from the get-go. Walt Disney and his filmmakers looked at classic literature as the main source of animated film inspiration. Peter Pan's adventures were a natural choice for exploration. The colorful characters and lush environments pretty much begged for the Disney animators to tell their stories. The animated film was released in 1953. The movie drew universal praise for its enchanting theme, musical score, beautiful art direction, and of course, its endearing characters. Peter Pan's Flight is one of the original rides at Disneyland to open with the park in 1955. Magic Kingdom's version opened its doors two days after the park's grand opening. And in Disneyland Paris, the attraction opened with the park as well on April 12, 1992. While traditional dark rides like Pinocchio's Daring Journey or Snow White's Scary Adventure are all great in their effective use of scenery and characters, these traditional dark rides all utilized ride vehicles that follow a single track on the floor, that ride through tight closed spaces featuring mostly two-dimensional cutouts. Imagineers really wanted to improve this by having open spaces, a floating ride vehicle to precipitate the illusion of flight, and remove many of the wall elements to eliminate the confined feeling. To achieve this, the original attraction utilized an overhead conveyor belt system that was originally intended for factories to transport materials, combined with open show scenes that utilized forced perspective. Creating the Fantasyland Dark Rides was a difficult undertaking for the Imagineers. The attraction had to be designed and constructed within just a few months. Some of the most prominent Disney artists and technicians were tasked with the creation, design, and concept of Peter Pan's flight, including Herb Ryman, Marvin Davis, Bob Matty, Claude Coates, and Ken Anderson, amongst others. Several of the intended attraction scenes had to be cut due to tight deadlines. Herb Ryman illustrated some of the most iconic pieces of concept art for the attraction's major scenes in May of 1954. Initially, Neverland was to feature the Mermaid Lagoon and the Neverland Rainbow. However, these show scenes were cut in the original attractions due to time and budget restraints. This would be rectified with the major refurbishment in 1983, which would see the lost scenes added back in, as well as a newer iterations of the attraction which included them from the get-go. In August of 1954, Imagineer Marvin Davis designed an alternative plan of the attraction with scenes that featured Crocodile Creek and Hangman's Tree 
that routed the flying ship vehicles through an opening in Skull Rock's stony face and had the boats riding in a clockwise direction. Which is the complete opposite of the counterclockwise attraction we received today. Now, the flying through the Skull Rock's eye scene was actually found in the original attraction and they did remove that over the years. How this basically worked was that Skull Rock's face was only lit partly and half of the structure was missing so the boats could pass by without being squashed in Skull Rock's eyeball opening. In October 1954, Imagineer Bob Maddy and others set up a test track in the special effects building at the Walt Disney Studio in Burbank. WDI, or Walt Disney Imagineering, utilized the studio space to test and refine the attraction's ride system until the dark ride buildings along both sides of the castle courtyard were constructed. Jumping to the 90s Paris here for a second, whilst testing Peter Pan's flight, Imagineers got stuck 8 feet above the ground during the London scene, only to realize that the emergency evac ladder had not been delivered just yet. <laughs> <laughs> so it took them quite a long while to get down from there. As you can imagine, that's something they're not going to forget anytime soon. But hey, at least the London scene is something nice to look at, right? With a lot of details. In March of 1955, just four months prior to opening day, Disney artists Claude Coates and Ken Anderson were working 24-7 to make Peter Pan's flight a reality. They frantically began executing the attraction's elements as there was no more time for preliminary planning. Having the Peter Pan feature film to work off of in addition to the mostly now functional flying boat ride system, it was time to begin the installation process in the new attraction show building. Models and sketches of the show scenes had to be completed in advance, but much of the scene detailing took place on site. Anderson and Coates painted numerous images straight onto the wooden walls and floats that served as scenery in the first version of the attraction. In 1955, black light effects were still really new and unique and Disneyland attractions were the first to fuse the unique floating boat dark ride system with the blacklight lighting. When Peter Pan's flight finally opened, it had a small miniature fleet of flying pirate ships, each rocking a unique look. The first fleet ever consisted of nine operating pirate ship vehicles, with the tenth kept on hand in case of any malfunctions. The pirate ships were 7 feet long, or about 2.1 meters, and four and a half feet wide and could carry two to three park goers at a time. Now, since the Disneyland Paris version is newer, it was conceived to carry four passengers per ship from the get-go. I personally have experience sitting on the back row and the front row, and I can definitely say that both rows are equally fun to sit on. You get a really great view from either one. Each ship was made of fiberglass that was molded after the creation of Chris Mueller and weighed and weighed 250 pounds, or 113 kilograms each. The Cleveland Tram Rail Company created the track and drive mechanisms. Although parkourers were not aware of what held them above the ground, Bob Gurr stated that the original track system was extremely loud and prone to problems, which resulted in regular redesigns and intense maintenance over the years. With each redesign and refurbishment, Peter Pan's flight continually reduced its operational issues and continued its fanciful trips well into the 1970s. Over in Florida, work was being done on Walt Disney World, then known as the Florida Project. In February of 1971, Imagineers Bill Martin and Bill Justice finalized the illustrations of Walt Disney World's version of Peter Pan's flight. The iteration would be filled with new elements, even though this new version retained the same format as its Disneyland counterpart. Florida's Pan Dark Ride would contain many of the newest audio animatronic figures with varying degrees of animation and sound effects, along with the crocodile, Smee, Hook, the Native Americans, Lost Boys, and Pirates. 
Like the original version, the ride ends with the Skull Rock Grotto, except now Captain Hook was positioned over the deadly jaws of the TikTok crocodile. Originally, Imagineers envisioned guests experiencing the flight through Peter Pan's perspective. The same went for Snow White and Mr. Toad, which meant that the most iconic figures from the respective films were never seen in their own attractions. Many guests didn't quite grasp the concept, and Disney was often flooded with complaints as to why the title characters were not featured in the attraction. While the other dark rides would have to wait a bit longer to rectify this issue, Peter Pan's flight was the first to add in its audio-animatronic title figure, Peter Pan, in 1960. In 1983, Disneyland's Fantasyland would get a major overhaul, some of the Fantasyland's attractions were relocated to make way for the expanded versions of the already existing dark rides, as well as the addition of a new one. The posh video of Fantasyland now resembled a rustic European village in the Alps rather than the medieval fair. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and Snow White's Scary Adventures moved their respective loading areas and partial murals indoors. Although Peter Pan's flight continued to feature a colorful mural which depicted the characters from the film. The original pirate ship restaurant and Skull Rock were closed permanently and removed in the 1983 refurbishment. Now, it's said that the riggings, lanterns, and other props from the restaurant were added to Peter Pan's flight, but we couldn't confirm this, so this has been a really long-standing rumor. Take that with a grain of salt, I would say. Now, in Paris, many of the props were acquired in London's flea markets by the WDI prop department, and they even made some alterations to the original items to make sure that they are visually congruent with the rest of the attraction. Peter Pan's flight in Disneyland Paris is also a bit longer. A complete circuit takes around three minutes versus the more or less two-ish minutes at Disneyland. <laughs> it's really not a big difference, you guys. Unless you're sitting there with a timer, you're not going to notice. Overall, each of the five iterations currently operating in Disney's parks around the globe bring unique aspects to the table. Not one quite like the other, and yet consistent in delivering the essentials. As parkgoers at Disneyland Paris, we start off our adventure by boarding our magical flying pirate ship galleon. Two rows of two seats, although you could theoretically squeeze three folks on the back, but <laughs> I've seen it done, but it's it doesn't work every time. From there, the adventure begins inside the Darling household, just like in the movie, where we first meet Wendy, Michael, John, and of course, Peter Pan himself, and, <laughs> and his shadow. We then leave through an open window and out over the skies of London. Now, a quick tip for you guys here. Although fast passes are available, this attraction is one of the most popular ones in the park, besides having a pretty low hourly capacity of just 900 individuals. Due to its high popularity, only a very limited number of fast passes are available, so these do run out really quickly. If you've got your mind set on getting one, do so early in the day. Continuing on. Flying out of the window, beautiful aerial views of the city below at nighttime can be seen as we fly high above the twinkling lights of the households below, zooming past Tower Bridge and Big Ben, which rises high off the ground. By the way, you guys, Big Ben is a really nice example of the forced perspective technique they implemented in here. So we rise higher and higher to the second star to the right and head towards Neverland. There we come across shimmering waterfalls and volcanic mountains. This is also our first glimpse of the Lost Boys, Mermaid Lagoon, and Skull Rock. Now here's where things start to get really interesting as we swoop into Pirate's Cove and see Peter dueling with Captain Hook, while the darling children are being held captive by the pirates. 
We then swoop past the Native American village to find Peter Pan and the Darlings have succeeded in defeating the pirates. Peter Pan is now commandeering the ship, which lights up in fairy dust. Also, you guys, a bit of behind-the-scenes info here. Disneyland Paris uses a very unique fiber optic lighting effect here, so those thousands of little lights are not projected. It's really cool and a lot of work to get those in there. <laughs> We fly over Smee in a rowing boat and pass by the TikTok crocodile trying to eat Captain Hook, which is forever hilarious. And on our way back home, we pass by the Mermaid Lagoon one last time. You guys, be sure to check out the animated waterfalls by the lagoon. They are one of my all-time favorite details of this attraction and really make it feel alive. Our ships then arrive back at the loading-unloading platform and we exit the attraction. Now, the newest iteration of Peter Pan's flight opened in Shanghai Disneyland in 2016 and features even larger boats and a fancy new ride system. Not to mention that Imagineers did a fantastic job of combining physical props with projection effects. Most notably, a splashdown projection effect when the ship enters the Skull Rock scene. It's really, really worth checking out, you guys. If you don't want to go to Shanghai right now, check it out on YouTube. You won't regret it. Peter Pan's Flight is one of the most iconic Disney attractions ever created and is one of my all-time favorites. This is definitely a must-do for anyone visiting Disneyland Paris, or really most Disney parks around the world. I mean, who hasn't dreamt of flying to Neverland with Peter Pan after watching the animated classic? And Peter Pan's Flight makes that dream come true. This week's listener question comes from Alexander, but before we get to Alexander, I just wanted to let you guys know that if you want to hear your voice on Air Magique, feel free to send me a short audio recording of your question. You can do that simply by recording your voice on your smartphone and then sending the audio file to DisneylandParisNow at Yahoo.com. I'll also put a link in the show notes. Back to Alexander. Hi Eric, I was wondering if we could bring outside food and drinks into the parks as we are on a tight budget. Hi Alexander, thank you so much for that great question. So you can bring certain food and drink items into the park. Be sure to only use plastic bottles when bringing in drinks, so no glass. And the food has to be able to fit an irregular sized backpack or handbag. So coolers and large containers are not permitted in the parks, although there are specific picnic areas located between the parking lot and the park entrance. So thank you so much for that amazing question, Alexander. If you have any questions regarding Disneyland Paris or you'd just like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter under at Magique and on Instagram under the same handle. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever the platform of your choice is. And we would so very much appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. It does help out a lot. Thank you so much, you guys. Also, thank you to DizAvenue.com, TouringPlants.com, UndercoverTours.com, and the book Disneyland Paris from Sketch to Reality, all of which are the excellent sources for the information compiled in this episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. For Air Magique, this is Eric. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Chic is an unofficial podcast made with love and is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. This episode is not sponsored. All promotional or advertised content will be clearly identified.